What's going on, everyone? Uh, this is episode 46 of High Top Flip Flops. As always, it's Krish. I'm with Navik. How are you today? I'm well. Cool. I'm well. <laughs> period. <laughs> well, period. Um, yeah, you know what? The past couple of weeks have been uh, pretty busy for us. Um, our guy Navik here just recently turned 24. Some might call it his Kobe year. <laughs> Post allegations when Kobe changes the number from 8 to 24. You know what? This is Kobe during the allegations. Okay, but he was still number eight, though. Oh, was he then? I think so. When was he twenty-four? After. So oh. I, this is what I've been told on here is because I've been thinking about this. I was like, oh, should I call this Navek's Kobe year with a little asterisk and then say post allegations? <laughs> <laughs> but um, either way, Navek, uh, what did you end up getting up to on your birthday? Uh, you know what? On the day of. What did I do? What did I do? Damn, I don't even remember. And that could be a sign of my fading memory. True. Because it's always been bad. And it's just getting worse. And one day I'm going to f- forget everything. You know, one day I won't remember any of this. That's, yeah. And that's, that's a sad but true reality. I can tell you that we had dinner together on your birthday, and that was pretty lovely. Oh, so. shit, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Wow, no, I that was super lovely. That was pretty fun. I remember that. Wow. Hey, yeah. that's okay, man. Um, that did happen. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Uh, no, that was a pretty lovely time. Um, yeah, I missed out on some uh, celebrations the next day because I was away in Ottawa running a half marathon. Um, 21 kilometers, right? 21, 21, 21. That's right. Um, how was that for you? Went a lot better than I thought. Uh, I didn't train very much for this. I think like less than a week ago, I ate like a whole tub of gummy worms all to <laughs> myself. So you <laughs> I just like was not in it mentally or physically. Um, but yeah, surprisingly ran it faster than my last time. So, wow. uh, call it lucky. Definitely call it lucky. And also taking a brief hiatus from, <laughs> long distance run because uh, that shit weighed on me so much mentally I didn't think it would but ended up taking a large toll on me um, and our pal Juppie has actually asked me to run the Scotiabank half marathon with him in September so until then probably gonna take a little break find some other things to <laughs> waste my time <laughs> on <laughs> it's not wasting time exercise is good friends Little last bit of housekeeping here before we uh, continue on. June 30th, I don't know if you know this either, Nivek, but June 30th officially marks the two-year anniversary of High Top Flip Flops becoming a podcast. And a little part of me kind of wants to do something, like just do something wholesome and kind of fun, like a picnic or something, you know? Like a two-year anniversary picnic. What do you think about that? Yeah, just the two of us you <laughs> know, have a picnic. <laughs> Nobody else invited. Nobody else invited. Yeah, that we'll just talk about on air. Um, no, of course we're joking. I think, I mean, maybe you're not joking. I don't know. But either way, <laughs> uh, I think it would be pretty cool to like uh, to do like a picnic with maybe uh, some some previous guests who we've had on the show, um, some friends that we've made, or people who are even listening right now. You know, if you're in the GTA or you're from the Toronto area. Um I feel like this could be really fun. We could just find like a central place to have a picnic and just hang out and not have a guest list or feature DJs or, you know, all that all that stuff that doesn't need to be present to have a good time. Maybe people should uh, 
should message us over Instagram or something if they w- what they think about this idea. Um, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Um, I'm very down for this. Yeah, I think it would be fun um, and a good way to commemorate two years of uh, some good conversations. You know, so you should let Navek or I know via our uh, Instagrams. Mine is Krish, not Chris. Navek's handle is Navek Cocoa Butter. You should let us know what you think of this picnic idea. If we should make it happen. If you want to help us make it happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Okay, let's jump into our first segment. Just one thing. Shout out Amory. There's only one thing on the vacanized mind right now. Yuck. Say it again. Yuck. Putting reverb over that too. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, push a drink. We're not going to dive too deep into it, you know, because we could go on for days. But um, Nivek, please lay it on me. First of all, the album, Spectacular. Yeah, Daytona. Uh, lyrics, incredible. Bars, flow, incredible. Production, phenomenal. I'm now MAGA. Oh. I'm in full support of Donald Trump after this album. If this, You can't say anything bad about it. It's, even the artwork. First of all, licensing this all. People are like, oh, he's so evil, so bad for doing that. First of all, a can you Can you provide some context? Sorry. So what is it about this uh, the cover art that people don't like? So it's a picture of Whitney Houston, circa 2006, taken of all these drugs in a messed up bathroom. Okay. First of all, a scumbag took this photo. It was in the National Enquirer or whatever magazine for months, readily available. You can Google image it probably way before this came out. And Kanye licensed it for a lot of money mm-hmm. for Push's album for Daytona. All right. So people are up in arms, obviously, just due to the insensitivity, perhaps, of the photo or the exploitation of Whitney Houston in a vulnerable moment. Um, but yeah, I suppose that is a very good point that you've raised. If it was available to the public uh, prior to, how much trouble could they uh, perhaps get in? Or what kind of message was Pusha T trying to uh, get across using that as his artwork? And Bobby Brown was like, I'm going to slap Kanye. Boy, if you don't get your cocaine ass out of here... <laughs> Your ghost, ghost fucking ass. This is what you do, Kanye. If Bobby wants to come to your house, leave some coke outside of your on your doorstep. <laughs> Nothing will happen. He'll he'll be he'll be pretty occupied. <laughs> leave it at the doorstep and then trail back <laughs> off your driveway. Uh, he'll snort his way back home. Um, yeah, uh, and then of course, yes, uh, following the album, uh, the final track on the album. Uh, instigated a uh, a beef between our uh, our good friend Aubrey and uh, Pusha himself. When that when the first freestyle came out, when the the Duppy freestyle came out, uh, I think most people were pretty excited. Um, we got to hear Drake do a little bit more lyrical work, um, but then the the Pusha return was uh was just phenomenal you know i don't really I, I don't think it's fair for me to uh to describe it or or reference a lot of the things that people were tweeting because it's, it's n- i i would not be able to uh to properly reference everyone who uh who had something clever to say about it but you know a lot of really funny things were said about it. a lot of very true things were said about push's response which um very evidently involved some tougher blows perhaps to drake's ego mm-hmm. or um the things in his life that um 
yeah me like hold more like emotional substance than i think anything that yo your best friend he's gonna die soon yeah that man that one really hurt like genuinely hurt super bad but if you think about it, it's a fact like, it, yeah he it, didn't say anything like it's very true yo, he's probably gonna die tomorrow he said yeah, yeah he has a disease and it's gonna kill him clock is ticking very good point very good point um yes uh yeah, on one hand, you're right. It is it is a fact. Um, but it'd be like the same thing as like saying like, hey, just want to let you know amidst all of your uh, <laughs> success and happiness that your best friend is going to die to a crippling illness. Um, just so you know. Um, but yeah, um, a lot of heat. The, mm. This like alleged child thing is like uh, super, <laughs> super wild. Super kind of funny to hear. Um, something I was thinking about at work today is like, what, is talking is 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 what what uh, what is being added to the conversation by uh, by like getting consumed in it, you know? And maybe this is just me being like skeptical, being like, oh, is there is there any good being caught up in a rap beef? But sometimes we need we need this, you know? We need the abrasion mm-hmm. um, at like such a such a such a high level. Like, these aren't two rappers from Scarborough. These aren't two rappers from Brampton uh, going at it. Uh, these are, like, two of, like, the world's best at what they do. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when I heard uh, Duppy, I was like, yeah, this is hard. But he's going to get murdered. Because Pusha T, <laughs> Pusha T's been rapping since 99. And he's been the most, cons- I, like, honestly... People are going to be like, oh, you're a dick rider now after the beef. But I've been saying Pusha T is the best rapper ever for, a while. Um, for years now. And he's the most consistent. He's still rapping so hard. It's 20 years since he dropped. Yep. 20 years. That's right. Almost. And he dropped this phenomenal project showing you can still better than the majority of um, young rappers that bars. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he did what he what he had to do. Drake knew he's gonna get killed. I mean, internally, you had to know a little bit. <laughs> get killed. And a lot of people are like, "Oh, he went too far with all these with the the kid and with the um, forty. Remember that Cameron told Stan Spit, "Your mother's dead, so you, you can spend Mother's Day with me." Oh my god. Also, Jay Z said to Nas. I'm going to fuck your baby mother and leave the condom on your daughter's car seat. Wow. So, I mean, in comparison, this is kind of light, in my opinion. Wow. But uh, I just hope Drake doesn't respond because it won't be good. True. You can't top this. Yeah. Um, Yes, this beef is, uh, yeah, it's monumental. It has started our summer off perfectly. Um, excited to see perhaps what uh, Drake decides to do at his OVO Fest this summer, which I think is a thing. I don't actually know. I've been keeping up. Um, but as always, please, uh, please let us know. Uh, maybe even at our uh, high top flip pod uh, Instagram account, what you think of this beef, and uh, if you agree with us that. Pusha has uh, has bodied him. He's put him in the dirt. Speaking of uh, Pusha, uh, the guest that we actually got to interview here is also someone who was uh, 
has been an advocate for Pusha for a really long time. This uh, this guest was someone that we pretty much had on like our, our list of people that we wanted to sit down with since we started this. So um, talking about this two-year anniversary of the the, the podcast um, and thinking about when Navik and I first sat down at a Mexico Lindo in a, uh, in a Harwood uh, complex or plaza. Uh, yeah, we wanted to sit down with this guest for a really long time. Our guest on this episode is Harmon Sembi. Um, Harmon could, we could probably give him a, a whole whack of titles, um, but I think in general, he's uh, provided as like a, a great source of kind of excitement for both Navek and I, uh, perhaps even inspiration, I suppose, in terms of just being someone who looks like us and uh, takes on creative pursuits uh, headstrong. A few things that he's uh, had a hand in include uh, founding or even starting uh, committee members, um, where our dear pal Venkit uh, now does a lot of great work for, which is a uh, Toronto-based leisure wear brand. Um, Harmon also played a, uh, or, or founded a, um, essentially a, a creative agency known as the Archery Club, which... Um, Former guest Babu also works for, who is actually his brother, um, and another a few of our good pals as well. Um, and now, currently, you know, after you know a few years of taking on a bunch of different projects, now kind of does a, a bit of creative direction for the current leader of the NDP, Jagmeet Singh, which I think is uh, super neat. And we get to chat with him a little about in this episode. Um, this episode was was super wild for us because uh, while we had met him before and been or have had some conversation with him it was the first time that we yeah first time we got to sit down and kind of ask him the questions that we wanted to ask uh which was not only insightful but yeah a bit surreal i think for both Navik and i kind of kind of nerve-wracking mm-hmm. yeah i've been following uh harman online for a few years now or first not few but many years admiring the work and things he's created you mm-hmm. know one of the first people that I've seen who genuinely seemed to do it all on his own. Yep, totally. Um, I guess a primary place for, for Navik and I to kind of keep up with all this stuff was a, a website uh, known as sixscreenapples.com, which is still still live, um, and also a podcast, which uh, he's very recently revived, which is pretty exciting, um, under the same name, Six Screen Apples, worth, worth checking out on all pro- platforms. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this one. Um, this was great, and we kind of got to pick his brain about um, a little bit about himself, a little bit about his own growth, um, get him to reflect on some of the outlets or the platforms that he created for himself, but also for people like Navek and I to kind of engage with and, um, you know, use as, as base points for ourselves to, to start our own creative endeavors. Um, and yeah, just reflect a little bit about, you know, his growth as a person, I suppose, which was a lot of fun. So hope you guys enjoy this episode. This is episode 46 with Harmon Sembi. What's going on, everyone? Uh, this is Chris, a.k.a. Chris, a.k.a. Not Chris, a.k.a. The Thumble Hemingway, a.k.a. Mr. Date Your Girl With You, a.k.a. Bash Me Outside because I don't fight, I just get beat up, uh, a.k.a. Dr. Do Too Little. I think I'm missing something, but I'm with my main man, Navek. Hey, it's Navek, a.k.a. Navape, a.k.a. Tamil Tyrese, a.k.a. Big Seon, a.k.a. Mr. Rump to your girl, say hello, then run away. And we have a very special guest here today. I want you to introduce a very special guest today, man. We have Harmon. Say hello to the <laughs> Sorry, everybody. people. What's Great. going on? How's your life? How are your emotions? Are your affairs in order? That's the real question. That's a good place to start off because you asked, how are your emotions? Yeah. And most people don't care about other people's emotions. Yeah. 
Chris, how are your emotions currently? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's human slingshot right here. Uh, yeah, how are my emotions currently? They're kind of all over the place. I would like to say that I'm uh, excited about uh, where my life is at right now. I don't know if excited is emotion, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely feeling some excitement towards what lies ahead. Um, but at the same time, you know, worry is always there. Uh, that's just me. Um, whether it's about how I'm uh, going about my affairs or the people around me, always kind of concerned uh, in that regard. Uh, but at this very moment, I'm not worried. I'm ecstatic. I'm excited to be sitting here with you. Because uh, <laughs> Harmon, man, we've uh, we've wanted to sit down with you for a very long time for a variety of reasons. So yeah. uh, thank you very much for making the time, man. Hey, man. Thank you for, you know, making it easy and coming over here and meeting me at our office. Yeah, you know? man. We're in the yeah. friggin' the the West End Bissasaga right now. Yeah. Um, let's just jump right into it, man. Uh, a lot has, has definitely happened, I think, in the last, I think it's fair to say in the last year for you. Sure. Particularly in, in vocation. Um, also, I think it's always fair to assume that someone has, has done some kind of personal growth in a, in a year as well. Okay. Um, so I'm curious to know, in, in that sense, in, in the past year, uh, how, how do you feel that you've grown or that you've changed, more importantly, um, if anything? Hmm, good question. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it back one year before that. Go for it. Uh, so we're in 2018 right now. So 2017 was a really fucking dope year for me. So... I would say I did less learning and more living. Nice. You know what I'm saying? But the year before that, 2016, that's like one of those moments where uh, I can be like on the map of like this, you know, this was the year that X, Y, Z happened. So right. um, in 2016, uh, one of our, like I'm always up to something. So one of them was to, uh, you know, create like a restaurant, like mm-hmm. a pop-up thing based off of Brontas, you know, uh, you know, South Asian or Punjabi type of food or whatever. Uh, we wanted to do that. But what was really tough about that was um, I've always been, I'm always a guy, the creative guy in the clouds, have tons of ideas. I can brand something. I can create a strategy. I can create all that stuff. Our, uh, the food tastes amazing because that's still another sense of creativity. You know, right. you work, uh, we worked with like, you know, our moms and we were able to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, sci- make it scientific. Like theirs is all from the hand touch. But then we had one of our friend's moms who we call like the Zen master who like <laughs> was like so formulaic with everything. And so we were able to build like amazing recipes and enjoy that. Uh, but it was like the hardest year of my life, right? Because it was so taxing. And like for a guy like me who does creative strategy stuff to now to be in entrepreneurial mode and just be doing grunt work the whole time, right? right? Grunt work that I don't appreciate, right? Was like so tough. And then at the same time, I was dating somebody uh, that made my life hell. Uh, it was super fun, but hell at the same time. So like I had the double whammy of like being in the most like blood sucking, like work in, uh, space yeah. and also the most blood sucking, uh, relationship space. Right. right. Physical. And they're both happening strain. at the same time. Yeah. And I learned two things from there. One is like double down on your strengths. 100%. Right. So, you know, whatever you're good at, just keep doing more of that. Keep getting better at that. Yeah. Right. Uh, and obviously, you know, you want to things that affect other humans, you want to make those better, too. You don't want to be angry. You don't want to be like emotional and lash out. Those are just general things. But if you're good at something, if you're good at, let's just say, in my case, like um, having big picture ideas, thinking like learn more of that, be more refined in that, because that will give you better, more value rather than you trying to like, you know, make up for the p- places that you suck. You can always find other people that are amazing at the parts that you suck, but you can never... But you don't want to find someone who's better at you at the things that you like. You know what yeah. I mean? Because then, then you're then you're redundant and you ain't shit. That's so right. <laughs> that was number one. Uh, 
and number two that I learned was that like no matter how terrible things can be or things are, you'll still be okay. So this is kind of like the other side of it. Like every day was terrible for right. me, like super taxing and even emotionally super taxing. And like I literally, like my face changed. Like people around me were like, yo, you're not, like this is not who you are or wow. whatever. And like I just kind of kept rocking with it, rocking with it, rocking with it. And then at one point I had to make the decisions to get out of it, right? Um, but like looking at where my life is right now versus then, like I was still okay during that whole time, even though everything was the most terrible shit in the world. Right. Right. And the point of what I'm trying to say there is not like go do terrible shit and you'll be okay. (laughs) But the point that I'm making once again is if you're doing something you really love and like stuff is really hard, like I think you said earlier, you're always stressed and you're always worried, you know, things are happening for better or worse, but like, you know, you got to go through it. I think what I was able to appreciate is that like you can go through really tough times, but you'll still be okay. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter how bad it gets, you can lose all your money, like you'll, you'll still be okay. And I think that when you, are afraid of doing things or thinking of things like you're not thinking that you'll be okay if everything went terrible goes terrible right yep. and so i'm just saying and this is like just a psa out of nowhere just take the risk even if you fail you'll still be okay right. and that's a beautiful place to be right on wow um and you felt that a lot of these kind of not necessarily revelations but at least like concrete ideas of growth you said would have taken place almost two years ago now then well that was that was the key thing then right. and then last year um uh, yeah, I mean, like being an entrepreneur who's always like just creating things like yeah. you're kind of in this space. Uh, last year, what did I learn? It's to be honest with you, it's like there wasn't too much I was learning. It yeah, was just more good, of just yeah. creating. Yeah, it was yeah. just more of like doing stuff like I, I, I was I was running around a lot. You know what I mean? I went all around North America a lot. There's a lot of projects happening. Mm. You know, there's a lot of different things happening. So we were just kind of like in like present mode working grinding you know what i mean like different project here different project here okay we have a flight we got to go over there okay we're gonna do this thing over here so it was just like a lot of doing and not right. so much uh reflecting and i think sure. that i think what i can say overall is that you need to make time to reflect and i think that's yeah, probably yeah, yeah. one thing i could have learned from 2017 that pockets of reflection are important in order to keep moving forward there you go there yeah. you go mm-hmm. figured out in, uh, in one little sitting here yeah. so we fast forward to 2018 now sure um and it's, there hasn't been a huge switch in the kind of work you're doing, but sure. at least the realm of focus is yeah, a yeah. whole lot different. You're now currently working with Jagmeet Singh. You're working with the NDP party. Yeah. Um, explain a little bit to us what it is exactly that you Everything that we know thus far is that sure. it's behind-the-scenes work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but please, fudge that up for us. So uh, just to backtrack, um, Jagmeet Singh is my homie. Uh, I've known him for about like 12 years now, wow. right? And um, before Jigmeet Singh was the Jigmeet Singh, he was just Jigmeet Singh, our homie. He's your friend, yeah. But he's been the same guy since then. And, like, what he's doing right now is, like, totally, like, of course. You know what I mean? Since I met him, of course, this is where Mm -hmm. he's at right now. Right? It's not like he turned something on. It's not like he became something different. It's not like he morphed into something, right? Uh, He just took ownership, which I think is the only thing that had to change. He's like, okay, cool. I, I will accept this challenge. Not necessarily I can... It's not that he'd need to rise to the challenge. He's more of like, okay, I accept this challenge. Uh, and so what I do right now is what I've been doing since day one is been helping with uh, kind of creating like a, a space where what he does, what he thinks, what he says, and what now the party does and says, thinks it says is reflective of who he is and doubling down on that, right? And so as a creative person who's creating content uh, for him or with him and helping with brand strategy and design stuff, 
I just want to reflect the mirror of who he is and amplify that. That's pretty much what my job has been. And because we've been doing that, he's been successful, we've been successful, mm. and he's now the leader, obviously, uh, of the New Democrats. And that's, like, super amazing for a racialized person, the first racialized person who has a turban and beard. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's, like, super amazing, super exciting. And, and, you know, now we have a big task of getting the rest of Canada to kind of understand him, not be afraid of someone who looks like him, and then making sure the story his story and that the New Democrats' story is their story. And I think that's right. been the biggest challenge uh, is that, like, people of color, immigrant communities, they've just been on the grind and hustle, and they don't understand that, like, you know, progressive values will benefit them more so than, like, you know, other other ideas that may yeah. not. And, and this is not to generalize, but sure. a lot of people just aren't aware of, of, like, what's out there. And I think it's my job and the job of the party now to make sure that we can connect with everyday people. We obviously preface this in a in in the intro of this episode, um, but we got to kind of know know you uh, through essentially through a, we- a website, uh, sure. which you which you updated quite regularly, sixgreenapples.com. Yeah, um, I think most people might colloquially call it. Uh, uh, a mood board. I feel like okay. that's something that people might might use to refer it uh, at this current point in time. Sure. But it also kind of stood as like a playing ground for you to not only interact with people who might have previously known you from a YouTube series that you put out. Sure. Um, or people who had just gone to know you through the, the internet. The, the interwebs. Yeah, the interwebs. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, all sorts of things were kind of, uh, I feel like, it ended up kind of leaning it towards uh, more like this place for you to, to deal with a lot of people who had questions for you. Sure. Uh, kind of came in all short sure, sure. shapes and sizes, which I think yeah, is yeah. super, super funny. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to kind of know why that ended up transforming into the best kind of platform for you to, to interact so, with other people. So, so we're talking about Tumblr, right? What was, what yeah, was it called? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. You know, I actually found Tumblr very randomly. Uh, you know, currently in our office beside us is my man, JJJ Static, who has... Like who's like recording every single you know Punjabi artist right. and stuff like that. So he's doing amazing things. I was at his house and his older brother was like, "Yo, jump onto this platform." And like I didn't know this platform from anybody else's existence. It mm-hmm. wasn't like a thing. It wasn't like a cool thing. I wanted to use Tumblr as a, f- a website. Okay. So um, primarily, it's like just like a domain. For, yeah, exactly. For I bought the work. domain, and there was like, you know, people had like WordPress or like you know Blogspots or whatever. I just liked having a clean kind of like blog looking mm. spot where I can just type whatever. And they had templates and things of that nature. And I forgot exactly what the function was at that point, but it was to put some content, some aggregate of content that was happening. Right. This is like super early. Now every Instagram's everything. Like That's you can't I mean, breathe yeah, yeah. anywhere yeah. except for Instagram. But exactly. back then uh, there were still different pockets. I would still say Twitter has like a good culture that exists. Uh, Facebook has a shitty culture <laughs> that exists, but everything yeah. is now the, the core for at least you know younger people. Everything is Instagram. Yeah. So back then there wasn't this space where you can have that. So that was a place where I shared nonsense, and then I guess you know eventually someone started asking me random <laughs> questions, and then it kind of just snowballed from that. For sure, for sure. Yeah, like I'm sure certain people asked you very intelligent, <laughs> shocking questions like, "Are you excited for Doris?" or Hey, I'm trying to pick up photography as a hobby. You know, certain <laughs> questions that yeah, yeah. stand out. So I guess the a lot of the stuff. So um, working in the creative field, right? Like uh, most people know how many hours goes into like creating anything, right? And even today's world, there'll be like tons of hours and time. And right now, there's a photo shoot happening in the other side as we speak. And like these images, no one's gonna pay attention to. No one's gonna even care. We do this 
just so when you go onto the website or if you go onto something, you don't pay attention to it, right? Mm. Great creative or great work is actually done where you're not paying attention. You don't see everything looks seamless, right? You're looking at it where something doesn't look out of place. And so when kids or people, you know, especially not today, but like when people would just ask a simple question, be like, hey, you know, I'm going to be a photographer. Which camera should I choose? Um, Depending on the mood or depending what I was doing, depending if I was feeling myself or sad or whatever, I would just kind of like, take that emotion and kind of throw it at them right uh and a lot of the times i guess it was sarcastic or just making fun of them or doing all that kind of stuff and i guess for some reason people found some type of fun in that and they just kept asking stupid questions good questions bad questions but i guess it's just up to me depending on what i felt uh and which energy i want to throw at them because you couldn't really tell like if you looked at some of the questions some of them they were answered sincerely some of them were answered with a gif some of them are just like total fuck you. Of course, yeah. Uh, I don't know, and I guess I snowballed a little bit. I'm right. not sure. You guys tell me how it seemed. For yeah, me. I mean, uh, I, I suppose yeah. what you kind of shared about, uh, yeah, having this like any kind of mood, like where, I don't want to necessarily say it was easy for you, but yeah, where it makes it a little bit simpler for you to just like be able to project any of these exactly. things because there's, there's, there's nothing on the other side. It's just words, right? Yeah, exactly. And also, uh, I have this weird kind of like complex of where i'm like i want to express myself to the fullest but i don't want people to know it's me but that doesn't mean that i want to hide like a troll or something like that i just want to be where i i had this weird thing where i'm like i want people to hear my ideas and i want to share and i want to flex into this world but i don't want to be the center of that idea like i want to be able to have it and it's over there you know like uh you know a lot of great creatives work kind of behind the scenes or they work adjacent to like great people and they don't necessarily care for like accolades or the praise or the attention they just want to be able to put in the good work and so this is a space where i can just kind of either do that or share that or or inspire that things of that nature of course of course um yeah and i I suppose uh specifically brought up those questions because those may or may not have been asked by our our good pal over here oh nice nice how many questions did you end up asking uh probably like three serious did i respond to any of them actually you respond to all of them oh i was very surprised because now that i'm looking back at these these are very dumb questions (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. and uh you know what i appreciate you being nice and uh acknowledging and actually answering the questions oh shout out to you yeah yeah, cool cool my pleasure i guess navik uh navik really wanted to uh to congratulate you uh because there's something that he's he's coined you um which i really wanted you to share with him I mean, at one point, <laughs> you're our favorite asshole on the internet. Oh, nice. Very nice, appreciated. Nice. And uh, do you remember, like, the very first time you were just candid with someone, like, face-to-face? And how did that feel? Because do you think there was ever, like, a, a, a parody between the way you chose to be or the way you displayed candor yeah, with yeah. people one-on-one uh-huh. uh, versus when there was this, this keyboard So, I party? guess, like... It's, it's kind of weird, like a little bit's played up, but a lot of it was authentic in terms of like the idea is still there. And I think it's 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 also with me being lack of uh, having the lack of awareness of how I'd come across. Right. right. So uh, in the early days, not early days, I mean, about 10 years ago, let's mm. just say um, I used to have I used to just like say a lot, but I wasn't doing a lot. Right. And so I'd be very upset at everything. Oh, I don't like this. This is whack. This is whack. This is whack. And I'd be like. Um, angry that people or ideas or like, you know, music or whatever wasn't to the level or the caliber or the quality that I wanted it. Right. Like, who am I to tell anybody what they should be doing? But I had a comment essentially for everything, yep. right? And I think this comes down to like um, having just like a taste level or, you know, a perceived taste level. So uh, back in the days, uh, you know, I'd have like a good friend, Gunwar, um, Humble the Poet. Mm-hmm. So he, I was with him a lot. 
this is actually when I was uh, in school for uh, teaching and right. like, you know, I, I, doing the whole thing before that. And uh, he always had like uh, opinions of things and I always told him why he was shitty at him, right? <laughs> because he didn't have like, like he's super smart and intelligent, but like, you know how it is, right? You have to pay mm -hmm. attention to like subcultures of subcultures, subcultures to get what's cool and then that slowly bubbles up and then by the time it bubbles up it's not cool anymore right so i was the right. guy that was always the asshole about <laughs> you know what you like is whack because right. it was cool four years ago but now mm -hmm. it's not right so you know it's just vocalizing that i guess of to people around me generally speaking though in in terms of a lot of what we consume right yeah. now particularly on like a comedy front um so much of that is precisely that what is like the like the Daily Show or Jesus Amaro or yeah, any yeah. of these things, besides the commentary they provide, sure. um, it stops there. It stops at the point where they're like, you know, you're wrong or you're funny or you're yeah, great exactly. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, what is kind of provided afterwards? Yeah, um, I mean, at least from from these kind of sources. As, yeah, yeah, as yeah. I guess for me, like, uh, it was fun to do that. And then when that kind of commentary gained a little bit of traction, mm. I tried to explore how I can be that guy. You know right. what I mean? To have commentary... And, and to say ideas or think ideas or give an analysis of certain things. But I just wasn't able to find my pocket. You know what right. I mean? I wasn't, I'm not like a comedian, so I like, I can't say things. I'm not necessarily like someone who would like script an idea. I, I, I couldn't really fit into any of these things. And people around me were creating like, you know, cool, fun things that yep. were like really impactful and viral and all that kind of stuff. And I just kept questioning, like, I'm like, how do I fit into all this stuff? Like, where is my commentary or my you know, taste level or like my, my view of the world, like how can I actually apply this in any single real meaningful way? Right. Because I wasn't satisfied, you know, just be able to talk nonsense and, right. uh, you know, spew venom, I guess, out there. And I didn't want to be that guy. But mm. it was fun to do that on Tumblr, I'm not going to lie, because it was just, I guess, indiscriminate content. And I don't know who's receiving it, so <laughs> fuck you, you know yeah. what I mean? So, <laughs> exactly. One way or yeah. another, you're still providing answers, right? You're yeah, not exactly. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the most important part anyways. But, yeah. um, I mean, speaking of, uh, finding your outlet, do you, I mean, re reflecting back on, on the podcast, which you, which eventually kind of took form after having this website and not generating some sure. of these kind of questions and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, looking back, do you feel like that provided as an outlet for you? Uh, like podcasting? Yeah. I mean, so I think, I think podcasting is one of those things where like I can totally, or even like yourselves, you can totally just express yourselves, yeah. but like, it's like over there. You're not, it's not your face. It's not like you yeah. being thirsty. I don't know. I have this weird like feeling where I'm like, you know, if I'm like seeking attention, that's right. you know, with a camera, like I just don't want to be that guy, you know, and power to everybody who can just put a camera to selfie mode yeah. and talk to a camera and then yeah, be like, what's wild. up everybody, blah, blah, blah. Like my friends do that. People do that. I just can't like, unless I'm taking a photo and sending to a girl or something, like I can't really see myself <laughs> like creating content to myself like with wide expressions and then turning my face down and then putting the next one and then going back up yeah, again. Yeah. I just don't have that in me to like put, uh, you know, to put it on or, or to act it on. Yeah, so yeah. the podcast was a great way to kind of like, just like, I guess, share uh, conversations. You know what? A lot of it actually was just to be selfishly chill with like some of my mm. friends. So like um, one of my friends, you know, she would like never be around. And so that was a way to kind of get me 
to get her to kind of be in one chair mm. and like whatever and my other buddy and it's just funny to kind of see like yeah, yeah, you know yeah. the stuff and then see how like the commentary was and of I, course I, it's enjoyable i guess for the most part ends up being an, a bit of an experiment when you just put a mic in front of someone yeah have exactly them, have them talk about the same things they they talk about when yeah, exactly, there's nothing exactly. being recorded yeah, right? yeah, yeah and i think that especially for like uh south asian or brown you know people i think that me being a little bit older i'm 33 for those who are listening um a lot of the people who grew up on the internet didn't really have those voices and didn't really have those people that look like them to kind of like talk about progressive ideas or like identity ideas or like even just complex, uh, you know, things that are happening. Like most people are just like uh, the reactionary or they're just knee jerk, right, without doing the analysis. And so I thought that, you know, for me, who's been doing a lot of like creative stuff and also like progressive stuff and like all this stuff, uh, I think it was important for a guy like me who was also looking for this type of person before to kind of have that voice and be that voice for like younger people. So kids who would probably be like, I don't know, um, you know, they would talk ill about women or well, like, you know, do dumb shit. Like if they can see someone who's older, who maybe they look up to, or maybe they can see has better taste level than them can be like, you know what, this guy's on some stuff where like, you know, we got to be mindful of, of, of what's out there and be, be able to like, um, you know, consume content, but then also dissect what it means to you, your identity, your culture, your values, et cetera. And being like aware of that, I think that was important right. to share. Being critical so, of it in that yeah, sense. Yeah, and, and it wasn't overt. It was always kind of like sprinkled on, but that's, you know, right. that's, that's, that's the, probably the best way to do it. Through conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. And with the podcast, what happened to Jessica? These are the tough questions, you know? What happened with Jessica? Uh, Jessica, yo, I love her to death. Shout out to her. Um, she just like... Everything just mattered, like, and this is me talking shit about her. <laughs> it's great. Um, so but, like, when she was great. younger, everything relied on whether she had a boy in her life, right? And <laughs> it's funny, no one knows who she is, but so me and her, like, had a thing a little bit, you know right. what I mean? But we're, like, super cool. She's, like, a super dope person. She's, like, my Elaine, real talk. You know what I mean? We really? had, like, a little thing for a minute. Then after that, we just enjoyed each other's company, but, like, we were doing our own things. Uh, and so with her, I respected that, like, when she prioritize like relationships and and another person like that's when she would kind of dip in and out uh but now she's running around like literally running around the world doing like ai tech startup stuff so she's doing some dope shit and you know she's getting married soon so shout out to her <laughs> what was it like having to leave the archery club and shift your life to ottawa i guess the thing with me is that like i've always been someone who um brought new people in i always think i like i I think i play like the dad position so uh i'm always looking to find people who are excited about what they do and if it correlates bring them in and then help shape and mold right and then kind of activate them so i feel great knowing that i have left and nothing has changed if anything has gotten better Mm. right so that just goes to show that like if you put people in positions to succeed right they will right or they will rise to the occasion to do that and so I'm actually left out a lot of the conversations. People are just doing things. And like, I'm now in Ottawa being like, yo, what the hell guys? Like, do you guys not remember how every single question you had was asked to me and you guys couldn't make a decision without me telling you like, why is it now that you guys are doing this? Why are you doing that? And like, it's, it's, it's been a growing, that's been a growing pain for me to like, let people, you know, grow into the, who they are and like let go of, um, you know, ownership or grip. And, And it's been probably the most liberating thing for me. Wow. So I can still work on things with them, but now it's just like the old guy in the corner that you have to show the piece of paper. Is this good? Yes or no? Yeah, cool. Okay, let's just run with it. Keep but it moving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
it's kind of funny you say that we literally just before running this we saw like a whole discussion go on right behind you just like yo like i'm i'm right here yeah <laughs> I, yeah, I have yeah. like, like guys i'm here like <laughs> okay that's cool but oh. uh, i think the beauty of that is that it's not about what i want it's about like what's been what what, what our goals are right mm. and like what the story is and and what our missions are and i think that's very clear with the people around me, whether it's committee members, whether it's the Archie Club, which are you know two different things, they understand what the purposes are, and right. so I don't have to question them on that, right? I just have to question on whether they're being the best they can be, rather than whether they know why they're doing it. And I think if you know what you're doing and why, like you know, that's it's a lot easier to be helping and guiding that space than people mm. who are just kind of doing stuff without any real direction. With direction, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of values, um, something that I think. Upon reflection, something Navek and I certainly agree on, um, whether it be you or the, the projects or, or just the people that you kind of work with, um, something that is definitely kind of at the forefront of the things that you value or at least actively work towards um, creating a part of your everyday is, is investing in youth or at least investing yeah, in, yeah. in youth and their ideas. Sure. Um, I am kind of curious to know whether, you know, that's something that you just stem from having that desire when you were a young age, like Navek was, you know, we were talking about it earlier, just being like, yo, you know, some, there's a point in time where you're like, yo, like, like I'll, I'm, I'm on, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a cool person. Like, sure. I have good ideas. Like, sure. why aren't things kind of working in, in, in my favor? Sure. Um, yeah, and I'm kind of curious to know whether it's something that you, you feel like you've actively worked on, mm. um, whether you feel like it's just kind of happened naturally through who you found yourself sure. surrounded by. Sure. This is a longer story, so you guys cool for the longer story? Please. Uh, okay, so growing up, being younger... Um, I was the oldest sibling. I am the oldest sibling. <laughs> and um, with that comes responsibility, whether you like it or not, right? So, uh, you know, that kind of put me in a space where I had to take care of, like, you know, my siblings and kind of help guide them and things of that nature. But more importantly, when I was younger, I was misguided myself, right? Uh, and I think you, you guys probably, we all kind of feel the stuff where, like, you don't feel, for me, let's just say Punjabi enough because I don't really, like, I see myself and I'm like, I don't feel like I'm Punjabi enough. Uh, I look at myself as... As a Can- I'm Canadian born here, but I'm like, I don't see myself Canadian enough. Yep. What does that identity mean? And then there's a spiritual element. I'm like, I don't really understand the spiritually that much. So I always found myself in a space of looking at everything, but not necessarily identifying with it. And, you know, one of my big homies, well, now new, new big homie, I mean, he just said, yeah, you know, you're in the third space. Like, he just coins it like it's like it's just something that's so <laughs> there, right? Yeah. So, like, I'm like, okay, cool. I guess I live I lived in the third space. Right. You know what I mean? Not here nor there, but, like, in this third space. Yeah. And that always gave me this, like, space, sorry, this framing of, like, what is everything, why is everything, right? And I think those are the two things that I kept asking everything around me. Uh, And while I was, I guess, just being young and just being exposed to different things, uh, you know, in in, in grade five, that's kind of when I found a sense of belonging or identity uh, in, like, actually, like, hip-hop randomly, Mm -hmm. right? Because I saw a smaller community flexing and trying to gain traction in the marketplace yeah. right and gain traction in mainstream and they were the cool ones and stuff like that of course. but i was able to see the growth of the ideas i was able to read their stories it it, it it spoke to me in my language right right and just on a sidebar like my older cousin dubbed me <laughs> doggy style in 1990 <laughs> this is 1995 snoop dogg's first album doggy wow. style i was in grade five a grade five kid should not be listening to doggy style. Yeah, we're but let me tell you, that shit was exciting. It was confusing. It like probably got me hard because there was like sexual <laughs> yeah. stuff in there. Like I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So it was just this new thing that I didn't understand. Right. And so I just spent mad years just trying to figure it all out. And it's been a beautiful journey, you know, like learning and understanding kind of like 
streetwear, street culture, sneaker culture, hip hop culture, all that stuff where it's just kind of like people with not too many resources just creating dope things, right? So that's been like amazing process, but um, I found my position there. But then while I was kind of going through it, I didn't really see anybody that looked like me being being like, okay, they were cool in the spaces that I liked, right? Like right. I like, let's just say, you know, this type of culture. I like this kind of stuff or whatever. I never saw that anybody looked like me being cool, no one to look up to. And that was kind of, you know, sh- sh- sucky or shitty or yeah. whatever. Um, it made everything look very exclusive. Like I couldn't be a part of certain conversations. I couldn't create certain things. So that's probably where, just to tie back in, where I had analysis of a lot of things. I was like a hater because I can talk about why things are good or bad, but I wasn't necessarily able to find a space where I can like be in those, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So as that, you know, going older and then, you know, going to university and then afterwards, you know, we were part of a youth group that like kind of provided that space for young people, you know, um, that's kind of, I guess I fell into the position of being what I always needed for myself. Mm. Right. And wow. one of my other bigger homies, he says this thing, another guy, he's just saying that how we're always um, fighting private battles in public spaces. And I never really understood that until like I frame it. And I'm like, I was always the young kid that wanted a mentor. I wanted a father figure. My dad was kind of a brat, you know what I mean? So he wasn't really paying attention to us. And so I had to be that bigger, bigger dude. But mm-hmm. I didn't know what that meant, right? So I was always looking for mentorship or guidance or someone who looked like me that I can get value from. And I never got that. So right. I ended up being that guy for, you know, I guess some knucklehead kids. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and then I felt a responsibility and a duty to put them on in spaces where they can learn and grow and be better than what I could ever be. Right. Wow. Um, I think <laughs> a couple things that uh, we've at least sat on before is like uh, the idea of that kind of third space that you said. Um, I think for people like Navik and I, we're at yeah. a point in our lives where that third space is likely more occupied than we think it might be. Sure. Particularly in being pockets of isolation or whatever Of course, it is. of course. Um, however, I feel like... Uh, when you're in fifth grade or when you're in sixth grade, uh, <laughs> when you were told that you're in this third space, all right, great, like population one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, I wasn't told that. I, I only I only learned this idea like last right. year. Okay, but I'm well, saying that uh, like yeah. then I didn't I didn't know what the third space was, but right. that's what I occupied, I guess, For like sure. you said, yeah. Right. Okay, wow. Uh, <laughs> um, something that I guess kind of go, goes back to a little bit of what you said in, in terms of um, making a youth group and, and sure. kind of at least creating this community or space of belonging sure, for sure, people sure. um something that we were kind of thinking about uh and, and i'll preface this by saying um we're very much at a point in time where we don't not only do we not have to but we shouldn't um just be speaking about uh south asian problems sure or like we shouldn't just be speaking about uh like uh things that we experience as south asians uh, sure because sure. of there's a, a variety of different com- kind of like problems with it um, but one is is because there's enough information there's enough of us here um for us to isolate these things and and look at them separately and look at their nuances sure. um so why i say that is because i think something that we've um one two people who are not punjabi something that we've we've definitely kind of thought on or at least wanted to reflect on is yeah, yeah. um is, is these ideas of community and really really dissecting them um, something that we see so often, which is kind of uh, a fantastic thing, particularly from Toronto per- or, or Canada specifically, um, is that most of who we see in popular forms of media, uh, dominating spaces who are classified as South Asian, sure. um, very positively um, assume or 
publicly are like a community, and we've noticed that so many of them are also of Punjabi descent. Sure. Um, so one, in this public sphere where we see so many of them choosing to yeah, support yeah. each other and, and be a community, that's the, the public perception of like, hey, this is a community that's super tight-knit. Um, they're obviously all super behind each other. But again, as you kind of mentioned too, it's it's a public idea. And and that kind of might be that yeah, might be coming from the fact that it's baby. like, oh, we all look the same. We all yeah, need yeah. to we all need to to kind of yeah, be yeah, yeah. fighting this battle together. Um so I, I, I it's a long-winded explanation here, but I guess I'm just kind of curious. Do you think the outward assumption specifically of the Punjabi community being one that is one hundred percent supportive of one another? Sure. Um is a fair one. You think it's a fair assumption? So I guess it, it's it's a kind of a confusing question because we'd have to look at who are you referring to and then seeing right, if there's right, a connection. Right. But what I can say is that like in our early in my early twenties, um, a lot of the people that you may see out there mm. in bigger spaces have kind of gone through um, the spaces that we created for them to like be and then be inspired by. Right. Right. So it may not be directly. Uh, like, listen, that person put me on, but it's mm. like I was inspired by that person, yeah. right? And that was a concerted effort. That was us. So just a kind of long story, I guess, explained. <laughs> uh, it was about a time. So, okay, how do I do this without being too overly political? <laughs> Anyways, okay. So there was a 25th anniversary of a very bad thing that happened. Uh, 1984 mm-hmm. is kind of a year. So um, I think a lot of communities, like, you know, the the Jewish community, like, they, they 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 stick together by remembering the pain that they've suffered and that kind of brings them together and, and, it, and it creates like that I- identity and you stuff can, like that. You can empathize with grief. Exactly, right? right? And it's, it's a weird thing, but it's important because it, 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 it lets you move forward in mm-hmm. different ways. Uh, and the community here was uh, with a very specific concerted effort to be silenced to talk about human rights atrocities or, or, or bad things have happened. Like, I don't want to go too much into it, but, um, you know, throughout the whole way, you know, people have been killed, silenced, mass uh, uh, cremations, things of that nature. You know what I mean? Like, just like killing a, a whole generation of young kind of activist people just to speak out about human rights violations and, and other things like that. Um, you know, blamed as terrorists, blamed as separatists, blamed as whatever you wanted to call, but just under that guise, just being able to like indiscriminately kill whoever, right? Right. So it was the 25th anniversary of that. And, um, you know, me and my friends, we were always just like kind of politically engaged, wanted to like, you know, do things. Uh, we were kind of involved with like poverty activists like downtown and like we just want to do dope things. Then we realized, wait a minute, our own community is being silenced. They're not talking about anything. Like there's nobody celebrating. Uh, not celebrating, but like, you know, bringing awareness to things of that nature. Like, where did this energy go? And, you know, when we started talking about it, a lot of people were like, yo, just forget about it, man. It happened 25 years ago. Just forget about it. Mm. But, dude, 25 years ago, mass killings, and you're telling me to forget about it? Like, Sorry. what What has ingrained, uh, you know, a, a whole group of people to think like that? Like, that's terrible. So we did the exact opposite, obviously. So we caused a lot of, you know, noise, being like, mm-hmm. no, we got to celebrate this, et cetera. But me being in a space... Uh, of not really understanding, like the identifying with these ideas so much, I was able to take an outsider's perspective to be like, okay, how do we make this stuff cool, or, or what do we need to do, or how do we make these uh, ideas more more popular or vibrant? Um, and it's not to like be, you know, uh, to annoy people or to like cause dissent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't the goal. It was like, how can we bring people together? That's what the goal was, right? And like you said. Um, you know, grief can bring people together. Mm. You can empathize, and so then we started literally looking for kids 
anywhere who have created any type of creative stuff wherever we can see it. You know right. what I mean? Like Googling it and like, you know, people have like Facebook profiles, maybe someone, someone's doing over here. And I still remember like, like the people that we found, you know what I mean? And like, and like what they are now or where, where they were. It's just like, it's like if we didn't pull them and put them into this space, yeah, you wonder what they might They be were just doing that totally just to express themselves. No real focus, no real uh, like reason. Mm. And like now through this space and then obviously that creating a you know, network effect of other people and then, you know, inspiring other people and then everybody being, you know, on social media and then it being very early. So like there's not that much content being created. So all the content that people are seeing is brand like, you know, it's like yep. there's now everybody's, you know, a megastar doing something. But like in 2010 or 2011, like there was a lot few people. Right. right. And so uh, the awareness kind of like grew really quickly. And then as, as a result, like artists. Um, were aware of themselves, and mm. then whatever they decide to do afterwards, they, they they took that awareness with them, which is all we can really ask for. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I, I suppose we we care to ask um, primarily just in in our own community, something that we we choose to reflect on. As I mentioned, you know, it's it's necessary. Yeah, it's it's imperative for us to to look at these um, diaspora groups sure. individually. There's so many nuances, yeah. and as that, you said, right? Sorry to interrupt, but that yeah. inspired everybody else, right? So, like, if you're doing stuff in Toronto, it's online. Now you have like pockets of New York paying attention, LA, Vancouver, UK, Australia, That's wherever right. the diaspora is, they're inspired. They're starting doing stuff in their own spaces, right? So it's just like it just it just kept blossoming, and 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 now I guess in the Instagram world, everybody is doing something unique and amazing, and whether it's noise to you or inspiring, who yep. cares? The point is it's happening, it's and there. kids who need that inspiration to do whatever it is, whether it's being an artist or whether it's being a painter or whether it's to like look a certain way or, or own a certain identity, like you have that inspiration everywhere and it's 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 great for them. Yeah. It's a great yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. Um real quick before we end with the repeat, uh during your teenage years, was there a job that you really hated that kind of pumped some energy into you to never go back to that ever again? So I've been working since I was 13. I'm just going to tell you what I've been doing. Since I was 13, I did uh, three newspaper routes, right? At 15, I worked at uh, a South Asian. So this, th th your answer is actually this. is At 15, I worked at a South Asian uh, um, food store. Not food store. What is it? Grocery store. Gotcha. I got paid five bucks an hour, right? And um, they were really nice people, but just terrible business. They never <laughs> paid me. Mm. Uh, the guy would have to be like, sorry, man, we don't have any money, this and that, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, Here's yeah. 50 bucks, right? Things of that nature. And so, like, it kept accumulating. One time, this guy told me to go to his house to, like, clean his garage. So, like, that was that was a job. And then just to top it all off, like, at one point, there was a lot of rat shit in the rice. Wow. So I had mm. to go through it and remove the rat shit for the rice. Wow. So that's probably to answer your question. And then just to the cherry on top, for my last 10 hours of work... <laughs> Which is five dollars an hour, so fifty bucks. They didn't pay me, and they just shut down the shop and moved on. And so, I I, I held that. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm a young kid, naive, uh, don't know anything, and I got exploited. And so, yeah. I don't take it personally, but I know that that that's terrible. And so, whatever work we do, I make sure that it's exploitation free. So shout out to those guys. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I was gonna say because uh, <laughs> I think especially at that age too, when it's like these people resemble and reflect your your aunties, your uncles. Your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your and it's just, you just gotta like, take the shit, right? What can yeah, you do, right? <laughs> quite literally. Yeah, yeah. 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 
Um, listen, man, thank you for joining us. We've just got one segment. It's our last, it's our only segment of this episode, yeah. but we usually just like to keep it light right at the end. It's called Shout. Three Pete. Shout out to Wayne. Young Moolah, baby! Um, we asked you three questions in sets of threes. You answer them right off the top of your head. doesn't have to be off the top of your head, but uh, sure. we'll jump with the uh, first one. Go ahead. Uh, can you name three of your favorite Jordans? Because we know you're a huge consumer of Air Jordan sneakers. <laughs> well, I don't, the but... Hugest, um, the hugest. The yeah. hugest. Uh, the three... Uh, okay, so it would probably be um, the Grapes, Jordan 5s. I bought a pair for 300 bucks uh, off of Casino Winnings. This was like in <laughs> super early, uh, before <laughs> they were released. Like, they were re-released a couple years ago. So before that, some guy from Toronto went all the way to Buffalo, grabbed some pairs, and got me a pair. Wow. So that had to be one of them. Um, probably Space Jams. Uh, those are cool. And then wild card, Jordan 20s. Wow, really? Everybody hates those. I and I wear them. <laughs> and then my brother is like, you're a piece of shit. And I take them off. And then that's pretty much that been, my, been my life for that. Yeah. Okay. We don't need Jordans anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah. Number two, three of your favorite Canadian rap albums. Yo, Socrates, Underground Tapes is what's called. Okay. Mm. Um, then obviously freaking, it's, it's the same guys, it's a circle group. So then there's uh, Shaw Claire, mm-hmm. Ice Cold. Yep. And then Cardinal Firestarter. Wow. So those are my favorite. I love Drake. I love The Weeknd. I love all these guys. But this is the time that pre all those guys, these are the albums that I was holding on. I'm like, I just can't wait till these guys blow. And, you know, whatever. We got it. But, you know, later on. (laughs) And Nav, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to, 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 you know, be really shocked, you know, that Nav didn't make the top three. But no, understandably. Yeah, yeah. Um, Last one here. This one's kind of a double whammy. and uh, we're going to end the episode on this one. Um, what are three ways in which you believed to love yourself at the age of 24? And do you still believe they're good ways to love yourself? Wow. 24. Um, yeah. So the first way I love myself was to question my existence. I was supply teaching at that time or just about. And I was reading tons of books. And I learned the idea of self-help. I didn't know what that was. So literally self-help is the act of trying to love yourself. So like that was number one. Um, This is kind of weird, but like the idea of self-sacrifice. So like loving yourself knows that you can uh, go without, right? Like having that, like, I don't know if it's love or stoicism, but like understanding, accepting, being like, listen, this is what I want, but I know that this, this, knowing that I want this, but knowing that I don't need it in order to like be good, Mm. right? Is like me, like kind of like doubling down on myself. That's right. And 24, I was probably that where I would invest more into my brother, right? right. Babu to like for him to do stuff. And I remember like, uh, you know, not going, not working, not supply teaching so I can sit with him so he can learn certain things like, you know, taking money, not having money or not, not working so I can do that. So right. I knew that I was being a good older brother. So I guess that's a way to show love or mm-hmm. be love. I don't know if that really answers it, but I remember that being important to me and yep. that of me valuing that. For sure. Um, and I think the other thing that still now, uh, at age 24. I, I don't know if it was specifically 24, but to like... Sorry, no, yeah, arbitrary age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fine, that's fine. Yeah. At 24, I knew that there can always be something better. And like, you know, goes back, going back to that thing that, that like, just like unrelentlessly, the pursuit of like happiness is important. And like, I will die <laughs> trying to be happy rather than, you know what I mean, die being stagnant, right? So I believe that then, and that's kind of like, put me on this weird journey yeah. and now at 33 I'm, I'm kind of in another pivotal point and like I'm still excited by that same thing and yeah. like 
no matter what happens, I'm excited that I'm here for the journey. So I guess that's a type of love for yourself yeah. as well. So 100%. I'll give you those three there. Amazing. Harmon Senbi, get happy or yeah. die trying, man. That's it, man. Get Thank happy or die trying. <laughs> Thanks so much for uh, joining us on this episode, man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. We've learned a lot from you and uh, yeah, continue to, to learn very much from you. So thank you for cool. uh, yeah the work that you continue to do, you know, for, for young people. Shout outs, Babu. Shout outs, Bankit. Shout outs, Ahmed. Shout outs, Juppie. Shout outs, Mohan. Uh, shout outs to everybody else. Love you. The team right there. Yeah. I'm Chris, aka Chris, aka not Chris, aka the Thumble Hemingway, aka Bash Me Outside because I don't get fight or I don't fight, I just get beat up, aka Mr. Day Girl with you, aka Dr. Do Too Little. And I'm Navek, aka Navek, aka Tamil Tyrese, aka Big Seon, aka uh, just a guy just trying to listen and try to to learn and do things. Be happy or die trying. Harmon Semi, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you. Thanks so much. Everyone say bye on three. One, two, three, bye. 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 Right. Yeah, it's like if you want to ride with me, you don't even know what ride is. Look, if you want to get clean, you want to get dirty, you want to go left, right. This is what we do. Well, it's the knocker, the cheers rocker. Party while I'm wine drinking. My rhymes are bust the whole way through your thinker. Forget your strategies when you battle. It's international record sales. People try, but they bail. It's the mid zone or the shackles. Ram a street like a block hole before the shots ring out. People never seen or even heard, but we ran through your HQs like a pack of germ. People swerve from the gamer. Swap player. I'm all black like the Raiders. You wonder how I did it? Album anticipated. It was the ninth inning. With two outs, I hit the home run to left field like harder than the Philly. Do you understand me? <laughs> really? No MacGyver tactics can stop my theatrics from making ladies backlit. Understand it's all about the sexuality. End up your set like a tropical. Stop it. My UVs will burn your skins and your optics. 21 years is groundwork. People hear me coming, so haters got mad work. But understand it's all about the swab, diggy dogs. Let's ride. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. All my people throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you from, east side or west side, just, just ride. ride. I'm a people from uptown to downtown. From Cali to NY, you know we just all ride. From the floor, the key, the DP, just ride. I'm a people worldwide, how you feel? You just ride. Like an 850, the turbo down the lake show with Popo chasing. You be wasting your time if you try to check for flaws. Cause if you bet against it, just not count your laws. See, I don't care what you think or say. What you do, I got a crew to run up in your HQ. This by who, six foot one, sleepy eye. Dark skin glasses reflecting from the sun, nigga. Check that poster. Uh, I lay your girl down like a coaster. Drop my glass, slap that ass. Don't care about a thing. Uh, See, it's all about the way shots makes the bells ring. Brand. People talking, but can't do a damn thing. Dang. Don't understand this. this. It's all about the lyricist. No one can rock a beat just like I. Uh, Rubber side representer. Yeah. CH to IC knows how to ride. Understand ride. just ride. All my people's on lockdown. You know we can. All my people's on the corner hustling. Just, just ride. All my girls in tight skirts. Uh, you know we can. All my people push the flat rides. They get any if you're feeling the vibe, then we can all just ride. All my dames and sexy belly chains, just ride. All my people from the T.O. just ride. All my people's worldwide, how you feel? Just ride. The Chiquitas, light and dark skin. See your love, senoritas, that's where my heart's been. Now I be chilling with my boys, pepper gnome, having freaks in the living room, sucking it hard. See, I don't care what you think, nigga. Yo, I'm laughing at your bitch ass, so niggas mind your speech when you talk. All these people getting mad and vexed. Say I talk about his sex, make a fuss, cause they nuts don't bust. No understand who I is. Who you is? I got an SDS smile, but your girl got an ass like an E class. I drive it like a five speed. Stick chip, understand the ill shit that I possess. Nothing less. If you stress, you'll be left blind, so read it up and brown. Hard rocks coming, but they always come fresh. Collaboration produced by Cardinal. So if you want
on the ride, everybody need to understand how. All my paranormal people's how you feel, just right. All my FOS people's how you feel, just right. All my circle motherfuckers, all you gonna just right. All my people's on deep, deep, you know we go. All my people's on the hill, how you feel, just right. All my people's in hilltop, you know we go. All my people from Rexdale, you know we go. All my people from the T dot, oh, we just right. Swing down, sweet cherry, stop. Can if you like, just give me a call. Yes, for real. For real. For real. Yeah.